This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but breathe. In this episode, we have Eric Vermillion, CEO at HelpShift. Eric, welcome to the Business of Us podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Okay. Um, we all like when things go smoothly and prefer to stay that way, uh, but the universe is messy, so the people's experience with mobile games and apps can be too. As much as app developers do their best to deliver the best experience to the users, they are just human beings like you and me. Even if the code is perfect, which is really the case if ever, there may be just issues with how people interact with the app, which has nothing to do with code. The solution support system that will help you to resolve all these issues for your mobile game users. Today, Eric will tell us about the challenges of a mobile game player support. Um, but first, Eric, let's start off with talking about you and your background. Tell us about yourself, please. Yeah, sure. I've uh, I've spent uh, my entire career, um, yes, about twenty five plus years at this point uh, in in software and technology. I've held leadership roles um, and worked in quite a few different uh, industries, but all of it in in tech and software and the majority of it in the customer service, uh, customer support arena. I've been in HelpShift for the last four years. Um, I, I took over as CEO from the founder, Avinash uh, Kapathy, who started the year, or who started the company a little over 10 years ago. Um, I have, uh, I live in, I live in Texas. I've been, uh, I've been married uh, to my wife, uh, Amy, for the last 25 years, and we've got two, two daughters. That's great. 25 years in business, uh, pre-Facebook, pre-YouTube, pre-Google, pre-anything pre <laughs> you can think of. Pre-TikTok, of course, uh, pre-ChatGPT, like anything you can think of about the high tech these days did uh, not yeah. exist in any shape and form 25 years ago. It, it did not. My, my kids can't even imagine it with their smartphones and their apps and <laughs> all the all the all the niceties in life that we had to find a way. It was a much simpler world, I guess. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, now tell me about your company, HelpShift. Yeah, sure. So HelpShift, uh, a digital support platform that really helps consumers engage with brands in a more intuitive and logical way that leaves them feeling delighted uh, by the experience. And we do that primarily uh, by focusing on, on the mobile app uh, to enable that. It's, it's a, it is a beautiful platform for doing that because your you know, identity is typically already known. Um, it's something that you've got with you. Uh, most of us tend to have it with us uh, 24 seven, 365. Um, so we, we primarily focus on using the mobile app for that. We've got a mobile SDK that's very easy to integrate uh, with your app. Um, we're able to enable support in any language. Um, in fact, we're um, we're we're just uh, starting to enable support so that even you could you could have 
uh, a, a German speaking um, uh, support agent, for example, delivering support to a customer in Brazil that speaks Portuguese um, through um, AI machine translation and, and language translation. Um, and, you know, more importantly, it's always on and it's, it's always available. So that, you know, concept of, of trying to engage support and finding that it's closed is just that that's not something that any of our customers uh, ever have to deal with. Um, we also leverage AI and, and automation. Um, and, and I know, you know, well, there, there will likely be the requisite question later about generative AI and, and happy to talk about that. But we've been using AI for years and many of our customers actually are already automate uh, up to 90% of their, their support tickets while still delighting their customers. Um, we've got over 400 customers uh, around the world, very much a global organization. And we've got about 200 people uh, that are part of the HelpShip team. That's 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 really cool. I was going to ask, uh, can you support multiple languages? And you're saying you're using AI to translate between the languages, which for people who remember how Google Translate, what job it was doing a few years ago, uh, it was pretty much not, you know, uh, up to the standard you would like to have a translation. Uh, so it was kind of rough. Uh, then it became great these days. Uh, AI experience can pretty much be on the same level of, you know, regular conversation between two people. Like they're speaking the same native language. Um, and obviously, like if you're opening the app uh, and you not only have this, this small icon saying, help with a few Q&A questions and that's it. You're actually having somebody who can help you at any moment with the app because it's not a, it's just damn impossible to put every possible iteration of a problem that may occur uh, into the Q, um, FAQ file. You need somebody able to actually deliver the help uh, when it's needed. Um, so you're saying uh, German, uh, become the language uh, of support. Um, any plans for other languages, Chinese, obviously it comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, we, we support we support most uh, of the common languages uh, around. I just gave, gave that as one example, but yeah, certainly you know, Chinese, Korean, um, you know, Portuguese, Spanish, any, any, um, any, of, the, any of the common ones. Terrific. Um, so, uh, the topic on the table are the challenges of a game support. Uh, so what are the challenges and requirements of a mobile game support? What kind of issues do you guys see popping up most frequently? And quite frankly, what are you fighting with daily? Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's it's true for it's true true for mobile games. and I, I find mobile games incredibly interesting because uh, you know, having spent a, a nice chunk of my career, um, you know, working in a in a broader um, kind of across vertical support environment, you know, where I, I dealt with banks or insurance companies or kind of some legacy brands that sort of have this preconceived notion of how support is delivered. And it's, you know, you put a bunch of people in a building and you call them, Yeah, <laughs> you send out physical mail, email and that sort of stuff. You know, gaming moves faster than that. And I think sometimes people don't appreciate how fast gaming has moved from a support perspective. You don't see a lot of support. Um, you don't see a lot of industry support forums that, um, you know, kind of invite gaming uh, up to the stage to talk about support because it just, it's sort of intuitive. You need to do it if you have a mobile game um, or you, if you, if you have a mobile game, it's critical. You can't be successful by letting people leave that app. So, 
you have to find a way to keep your players in the app. And yeah, I think as as other industries are embracing the app as kind of the the focal point of their customer interaction, they're seeing that same thing as well. But you know, it's it, when they need your help, it's a vulnerable moment for them, right? So yeah, you you're hurting your chances of success for the app. It's the first thing you do is, is, is throw them out of it and say, go look for support um, somewhere else. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that support people are really wrestling with right now, it, whether it's in the gaming industry or, or, or any other is, is this notion of how does AI play into my future and how does generative AI play into my future? It has, I would say it has implications uh, to the validity of support responses, as well as to the people that are involved in it. And at HelpShift, we've been using AI for years, and many of our customers have already leveraged AI and automation to, to you know, automate upwards of 90% of their support issues. Um, and, you know, I think the gaming industry, again, they were born in tech. They've embraced it more act- actively than other verticals. Some of our fintech customers have also really embraced it. Um, you know, I think AI will continue to change the support industry overall. And I, I do think for the better, but there are a lot of kind of wild views out there in the world right now of how it can replace people. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what I've seen it with our customers is more about humans and bots and AI working together for the customer as a team. You really allow the human support agents to become more like personal assistants or concierge uh, type service. And yeah, you know, it really starts to create a massive value for the organization as they really start to make you more resistant or, you know, or help with retention and even right. revenue growth. And so, yeah, you know, I just, I think the world tends to think about efficiency often as a way to replace people. But mm-hmm. what I would say is, you know, our customers have done a really nice job instead of thinking it that way and, and thinking of it in terms of how do I augment people to really drive great, great results. And, you know, it actually helps your business. It makes the role of a contact center agent even more valuable and interesting. And it helps both, you know, it helps drive both bottom line and top line success for the business. Yeah, exactly. Like retention is such a key notion for uh, game developers. Cause I'm thinking like two situation where somebody is on a phone support for a company that provides a service where customers commit to that service and the chances that they're going to leave if anything happens are not that big but for a game they can just you know tap on the app store go to the other game in a second and if they do that in bulk you're doomed your app business yeah. goes down um that's that's given for any app development and game development is special the retention um there was a reason why the games became so cheap on mobile initially. That was the way to get scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, prior mobile app stores, there was, you know, um, people were paying, they're still paying uh, for, um, you know, a couple, um, 20, 30 bucks for the copy of uh, Xbox or game from, from Sony. Um, the app store gave the to everybody who wanted to play games for one, two, three, five bucks a copy. But if you're getting people that are cheap, if you don't have them in bulk, you you did not, your user base is uh, running away from you. There's no way you can sustain your business. So the support essential. And um, yeah, I'd be having a hard time uh, trying to imagine somebody 
calling in the phone via regular phone support when he's playing a game on the phone. It would be just <laughs> damn impossible to do. Yeah, I, th I think it's kind of a um, plot for a next comedy or something because uh, <laughs> it's that be. hilarious. Um, so um, since the dawn of mobile in 2007, uh, like uh, the whole experience of playing was drifting towards mobile, but it's not entirely there. The big chunk of uh, gaming happens on mobile devices. That's uh, undisputable, but there are still console playing, desktop playing. And um, as much as we all run towards ChatGPT and generative AI, <laughs> metaverse is kind of still there. So uh, what are the challenges of those platform uh, gaming wise? Yeah, well, I mean, for you know, for consoles, like you said, it's you're not you're not in the game. You're not you're not in the you know you're not you're not in the environment, and so you have to you have to depart and and go engage you know support in a different way. But you know, mobile is a, a beautiful thing because you typically have a consumer who's already been securely authenticated, so you know their identity, um, you know what they're entitled to, and it's you know they're effectively in your store. You know, if you yeah. kind of make the comparison to kind of brick and mortar businesses, you've got somebody who's in in your store. You know who they are. You know what they want. Um, you know how big their wallet is. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the the ability to market to them and support them at, at, at is absolutely the highest when they're when they're in their app um, or when they're in your app. When they're not, you know, that's that gets harder. I mean, desktops evolved where it's a little bit easier. There's, you know, the, the lines have been blurred a little bit between mobile and desktop and, and the handoffs a little bit easier there, but you still tend to have challenges around identity. But console is absolutely the hardest because you, you have to stop your game and then go make a phone call or send an email. And you know, a lot of people using console games don't actually have emails. So they're, you know, like, dad, can I can you send an email? Because <laughs> right. I, I lost my tokens or whatever, you know, so... Uh, you know, nobody wants to do that. Um, so we, we've pat patented a, a QR code uh, based support environment that can, from the console game, can actually generate a unique QR code on the screen that helps to identify the player, the game, you know, the place in the game, those types of things where they've had the issue. And so they can just click on that from their smartphone or, you know, scan that QR code from their smartphone. And then it could take them into the mobile app, which is also a way to kind of drive people to mobile if, you know, the, if the, the company wants to do that. But it also gives them the ability to kind of engage in that immersive uh, support, mobile-based support experience, you know, from directly within the game. So they don't have to kind of lose their place in the game and they can you know, kind of minimize the disruption or the chance that they they, they bail out of the game uh, at that point. And, you know, that one is something we're starting to see, you know, adoption from some of our largest customers, but it's one as well that has applicability across other verticals as well, where there are physical, you know, goods that are capable of producing a, a QR code, you know, think like smart appliances or vehicles or things like that as well, where, you um, you could uh, you could use that QR code ability to really create a better mobile uh, sort of experience for for consumers. Um, I, I didn't forget your mention of the metaverse. Um, I, I saved that for kind of the last part of the question, but it's yeah, I think it's unfortunate that so many people associate AR and VR um, with the metaverse and ultimately with Mark Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, yeah, you know. I, and, and really launched it at a time that kind of the 
the global perception of of Meta and Facebook was super low as well. There were all the you know all these um, trials and court cases about you know privacy and security and and things like that. So it was. Yeah, there was just a you know a massive sort of environmental things that that maybe kind of doomed the whole metaverse approach to it um, up front. But I'm very bullish on on AR and VR. You know whether you call it uh, yeah. a metaverse or not, and, and and I think you know people it has a great long term future. So you know when I think about kind of g- gaming for sure. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely going to be you know continued advances whether they're ra- they'll be rapid or not. Um, I, I I somewhat doubt in the gaming industry, but I think there's massive application in professional environments, healthcare, education. Yeah, it takes away the physical space and language barriers in collaboration and communication that have you know that have slowed people down since the beginning of time, and so it does that in an incredibly profound way. So. I, I certainly believe it has a very good, you know, very strong future. I hope that it, you know, continues to advance uh, because the, uh, you know, the applicability for global communication and collaboration, even outside of gaming, is just massive. Yeah, I um, the um, I don't want to say hack, but the workaround of actually connecting the people who are using console gaming to the support system, the QR code is a smart way of uh, actually being able to reach them out anyway. Because imagine the teenager playing a game on a console. He has no idea what email is at all. Like this concept is not there Like until he starts working in a few years and he will be giving an email address at his office till, the, till that moment. He has no idea what email is. Right. And um, phone call, calling in the phone, speaking with somebody, not texting, that would be a not starter at all. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, QR code, jump to the app, get on the support in the in the chat and resolve a problem. Yeah, that's the way to go. Um, and yeah, I would totally agree that um, the media, the tech pundits, uh, we, like many of us with them, tend to associate big. Uh, changes shifts with uh, personalities this is the way we <laughs> wired people like okay. to give a kind of a not a not a tag but a person okay metaverse mark yeah. twitter elon and etc and this is the perception the filter we're getting through any topic and yeah me- metaverse um can be here or not but vr ar experience uh, can just move along without it, like, regardless of the fate of the metaverse is the idea. Um, I mentioned ChatGPT and generative AI. Uh, what are your thoughts about the using this um, platform right now? You mentioned that you're already using the generative AI in your uh, pl- on your platform, but uh, do you see the room for improvement? Uh, anything can be done better. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, historically, we've we've primarily just used sort of intent-based classification. That's the flavor of AI that we've used. Because you know, when you think about when people call a support um, desk, and we see this, you know, we we actually produce a report uh, every year that you, you can get on our website that that talks about the state of of mobile gaming. But it, it talks about other uh, a few other industries in there as well, where we actually analyze what are the top. Um, 
questions that people are asking when they engage you know, our, mm-hmm. our system for support. And so it's, you know, when you think about um, the top kind of categories, most of them are, um, you know, most of them are about, are, are about you know, account-based issues or, uh, you know, or, or billing type things or their technical, you know, technical support issues. And so just by understanding what those are and, and creating a logical self-service path for people based on the, you know, kind of the things that, that receive the highest uh, volume uh, of support tickets and then just continuing to iterate that based on feedback, that's the kind of AI that, you know, our customers have used to be able to really drive, you know, like I said earlier, like upwards of 80 or 90% uh, automation. Because when you think about when you call in for support, you have typically one thing that you're trying to fix. <laughs> yeah. My bill is wrong. Makes sense. <laughs> You know, I've lost something. It's not, you know, like we're trying to predict the weather here or, you know, where the stock market's going to be in, in three months. Those those kind of things that you think of, you know, kind of the large language models being able to help with more of that kind of multidimensional prediction. Now, there are some things that, um, you know, we're adding into the platform using generative AI, you know, things like issue summarization so that if you've had a long discussion with, you know, with a, with a support person, being able to kind of quickly summarize that, which helps the, the support agent as well as the consumer kind of, you know, distill down all that history into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a very readable thing. I think it's going to help make FAQs even, even smarter and, you know, help them kind of continuously regenerate based on, um, you know, what the most common topic is. And, and I think those are things that are true in, in gaming. And, you know, those are some of the things that we're launching um, this year, but that I think are also going to going to be helpful in in other industries as well. Um, I think that you know the thing that I hear the most about about AI, particularly in the world of customer support, is that people think AI will take support jobs. Yeah, um, and yeah, point. the reality is, yeah, the, the reality is people who who learn how to use AI most effectively will take the jobs of people who ignore it. So you know, my I guess my advice is don't ignore it. It's absolutely here. It is going to change, you know, how we deliver support. Um, and, you know, technologists like us are going to continue to, you know, try and make that, uh, turn that into tools that are useful uh, for people. But the people who embrace it, you know, as an opportunity to make their support agents even more powerful ambassadors of their brand and use it to drive revenue and intense customer loyalty, uh, the impact on the top line can't be overlooked. And I think that's, that's if I could, you know, if I, if I could tell, you know, uh, CEOs and, and, you know, CFOs who are thinking about how does you know, generative AI improve my bottom line, I'd challenge them to not just think about that, but think about how it can actually improve your top line uh, as well, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of really smart, creative, thoughtful people that exist in, in contact centers around the world that AI can just like give them superpowers like we never thought were possible. Yeah. Just like this come of, uh, theme this these days do not be afraid of ai be afraid of people who are using ai effectively these <laughs> are your competition yeah they really are they really are um i obviously this this summer like one of the things that we're all waiting for every june is the wwdc <laughs> conference around apple well, what's what's coming what's going to be the next thing if anything and this year it was the vision pro set from Apple um, over, you know, I don't know, five, seven, six years, uh, there have been a lot of rumors how it's going to look like, the capabilities, 
uh, the price tag. Uh, so finally, it's over here. Um, and looks like this is the next gaming platform, one of the applications right there. So um, what are your thoughts about the gaming support from um, Vision Pro or such a speculation? Somebody will be popping up in the game. Hi, I'm your support guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's uh, um, my, my opinion is that Apple doesn't really do anything halfway ever. <laughs> you know, if, if they're in, they're all in. And, you know, they've got the ability to kind of continue to fund and develop their in-house capabilities as well as the ecosystem to make it a useful thing. I think we're probably still kind of one or two iterations away from it really being kind of a mainstream thing that people have to have. My house is full of Apple products. <laughs> And they all work together incredibly well. Um, it's, you know, for me, you know, and I'm a gaming industry person. For me, there's just not a, uh, there's no fear of missing out yet on, you know, the Vision Pro. It's It seems like it's still kind of a separate thing um, that I can't really intuitively understand how it fits nicely into my Apple ecosystem and why I can't live without it. So, you know, as, as I've had Apple products over the years, I've added because, it, it, you know, I felt like, well, I, I have to have this. I can't. This is this is a cool thing that just is going to work together seamlessly with everything. I just don't see that yet with Apple, uh, but I, you know I believe if anybody can get there, they yeah. they will eventually, and that's one of their powers. And maybe that's where you know kind of the 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 meta story failed because they don't have the the hardware that makes it all integrate into daily life like you know like Apple does. Yeah, exactly. Apple think things platforms, not products. And uh, it does look like the, the, the version one of uh, an iPhone, let's say yeah. people had this feeling it's going to be massive and great, but not at that point. And plus, um, like, um, I don't know, gaming experience will like to play uh, in, pars, uh, in pairs. And uh, if you're paying 3500 per one set, you're paying 7000 per two per your family. That's pretty pricey <laughs> at this point. So early adopters will help us to get there. Yeah. Uh, not only, you know, uh, the stardom of tech bloggers will be trying this product, but regular folks who can afford that money. And over time, we will get there, like the um, the outlines of the platform of the ecosystem uh, will, uh, will be more visible as it's right now. Uh, it's hard to say, like... Like you're saying, the um, demo was great. I can see potential how it should work. All my apps, all my games, the interaction, which gave me this impression for Minority Report. Finally, this experience is here, and, and I'm not Tom Cruise to use this device. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, Eric, I, I got this interesting question for you. Looking back at your years in tech, what would you really like to change about this um, ecosystem the most? Uh, that's a great question. Um, it, it's, it, you know, you think about the pace of innovation and how it just, it just continues to increase, increase it. It's hard to, it's hard to be too critical of it because it's, uh, you know, I think it's, I mean, overall, I think it's a good thing and it, it tends to make our lives easier, but I do think if I had to pick one thing, I think our, our short attention spans in, in the tech world tend to be a, a, a bit of a problem for us sometimes. Um, it's a, a little bit of a blessing and a curse. I think most innovators, tech founders, um, 
kind of thought leaders are great at, at ideation, <laughs> at coming up with great ideas. Uh, you know, many of them are really good at even activating good ideas, um, but we're not always great at follow through. Um, yeah, I think you're probably starting to already see some of that in generative AI. There was like this just huge, you know, massive interest that people are starting to kind of lose a little bit of interest in some of the, some of the use cases. Uh, I'd tell you, you know, I, I mentioned I've spent my whole year, my whole career in software and tech. I more than 20 years ago, I actually used to sell 3D simulation tools to manufacturing companies. <laughs> I think today that would be called the, the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, you know, it really, it really was kind of the early version of the metaverse. But then it was just a tool, you know, to help optimize line layout and design and make sure things could actually be built in the way that they were designed. Um, but you know, it's evolved and evolved and evolved. But it took a huge break, you know, <laughs> over you know over the last twenty years, or it's it wasn't you know used in some of the kind of applications that I think the metaverse can be used in today. And I wonder if you know we could have committed to that a little bit better. So I think, you know, the limitless capabilities of software have driven unprecedented speed of innovation. Great thing, but sometimes along the way, some really useful things get discarded and um, it would be nice if, if that wasn't the case. Yeah, so I was about the pace uh, of innovation and the products we introduced into our life. I really like this old a uh, phrase from Steve Jobs that the computer should be a bicycle for the mind. Um, <laughs> if that's not a bicycle, if it's just a toy, uh, the interaction will will not be that great. Uh, at some point, we will be um, dealing with a problem of addiction. Um, because if you're addicted to your bike, I don't know, you're just going to get great muscles and be healthy. <laughs> if you're addicted to a toy, boy, you're in trouble. Uh, so if that's consideration always on the table when people are thinking about uh, creating you know, the, the next tech assistant, the next product, uh, chasing big ideas with big money and not small ideas with big money, as Kara Swisher likes to say. Um, yeah, that's that's a good way of doing business and be um, helpful for this planet we call Earth. Okay. Uh, Okay, we're wrapping up the first part of the show and transitioning to the second one where I'm just spending a few minutes asking every guest on the show a few quick questions. This is my way of helping the audience know these people a little bit better. So uh, what smartphone do you have now? Uh, I guess it's the iPhone. So you never switch back and forth between Android and iOS? I never switch back and forth between Android and iOS. And I, I can't even imagine... Uh, switching now, I'd, I'd be afraid that I'd lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before you got your first iPhone, what was your first mobile phone? Uh, well, there was a few between my first one and the iPhone because it wasn't <laughs> yeah, invented yet. But I would my, imagine, my right. Very, yeah, my very first one was that Motorola flip phone, you know, that brick that we used to carry around 25 years ago. Um, great phone, but... Yeah. Today it will be for, good tool for self de, for uh, self defense. Yes. Um, <laughs> so imagine today you left your phone at home for whatever reason. You're out uh, minding your business, and what's the most missing feature for you? Uh, probably finding my way home. Correct. <laughs> right, got you. I heard the Apple Maps are finally getting more love love from people. Uh, so what, what what is it for you, Google Maps or Apple Maps? 
Yeah, we're a house divided here. My uh, my my wife uh, likes Apple Maps. I I prefer Google Maps or Waze. Okay. Um, what new app technologies uh, are you most excited about? Hardware, software, perhaps not just uh, following the trends, but if you think about something that would be helpful for you specifically, what would be that thing that is missing right now? Yeah. Well, I, I do think that the future of AR and VR is is incredibly cool and has so much professional application that that's, you know, but we're talking about a few years, I think, before that has day-to-day -day application if, you know, if, if the world stays committed to it. But just on a day-to-day, -day, I travel a lot. So I'd say the innovations that my travel providers, my, you know, airline companies and, and uh, you know, public transportation companies have made and continue to make in their mobile apps is absolutely makes my life easier. Um, every time I open up a new version of that and see something better, that's, that's probably the thing that's most relevant for me. Gotcha. All right. Before I let you go, very final question. Where can people get in touch with you and how they can know more information about what you do? Yeah. Well, you can, uh, you can reach me directly at uh, Eric B at helpship.com is uh, via email or uh welcome anyone to connect with me directly on linkedin oh thank you thank you so much for coming on the show eric bye bye thank you and that was eric vermilion ceo at HelpShift. to listen to more episodes subscribe to our podcast on itunes spotify stitcher google podcasts just search for business of apps and you will find us easily remember we release episodes on mondays so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.